random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is Emily, aka Unclass Boot, on Instagram at Unclass Boot, and I'm making a cosplay connection with Eddie Wilson on The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Cosplay Connection. It's Eddie Wilson. Very happy to welcome a cosplayer first met at the Garden State Comic Fest in 2019, going to be there again in June of 2023. And that is Emily, a.k.a. Unclus Boot Cosplay. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm going to have to practice that cosplay title that you have there, too, and, and maybe <laughs> just ask about how that came about, the name. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, everybody asks about how it comes up, and it's actually an interesting story for what people tell me. So, yeah, I would be happy to go over that. May as well start with that, but did I say, I probably said it wrong. Unclus Boot, yes. Okay. okay. First off, we'll start with the easy part, the boot. Boot is kind of a term that we use to describe somebody who has not gone on deployment. They're just straight out of boot camp. They don't know the world. They're kind of ignorant to it. It's, it's just kind of used as like a fun little term to say you are way more junior than the rest of us. I ended up doing two tours by the end of my service, but because I only did one contract, people still call me a boot or a booter. So I just took it and I was like, well, I'm just going to run with it then. And then unclassed is short for unclassified. It's only got one S because on a naval message, the security container for an unclassified message is U-N-C-L-A-S, and it's truncated. I was an IT, mainly a radio man, so I was in charge of all of the messages that came off the ship and came onto the ship. So I just kind of took that, and I combined the two, and I made my name based off of those. And I don't think anybody else has that name, and that's great. It's unique. You don't have to worry about changing it. So it goes without saying, which we should have started in the beginning, by saying thank you very much for your service. Uh, you told me. Oh, thank you for your support. In the U.S. Navy. Yes. Talk about that, how that started, what got you into that, and what you had to do for the amount of time that you were in there. Oh, boy. Okay, so I went to boot camp on November of 2018. I think it was the Monday after Thanksgiving mm -hmm. is when I actually got to Great Lakes, Chicago. At the time, it was eight weeks of boot camp. I think now they've extended it to 10, but it was a ton of physical readiness. We were constantly working out a lot of new things I needed to learn, and it was kind of the first time that I actually, I'm, this is going to sound horrible, that I actually needed to study for something mm. um, because a lot of the stuff I learned in school and grade school, it came fairly easily to me with, I think, the exception of math was like my only weak point. But, you know, we don't, we don't learn all this maritime lingo and, and all of the rules of being a sailor in school. So it was all like a whole new world that I had to learn. And I put a lot of effort into learning as much as I could from who we call our RDCs. You guys may know them as drill instructors or drill sergeants. Mm -hmm. So I got out of boot camp. I graduated in January of 2019. I went to my onboard training to become an IT, and ITs in the Navy, we are either network ITs, cybersecurity ITs, or radio ITs. I ended up being a radio IT, 
Yay, radio. Uh, while I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> while I was in school, I actually got orders to deploy straight out of school. Mm. So when I came home and I saw you at uh, Garden State, I was just getting ready to deploy. Wow. I was on leave coming home. I knew that the show was in town, and it was a show that I had been going to since I was, I want to say, like 15, 16. So I really grew up in the cosplay community and around those folks, and those are the people I wanted to surround myself with before I deployed. Yeah, so I left. I want to say my dad dropped me off in Norfolk, Virginia. It was like July 2nd or so. I went to Bahrain and Oman, and I kind of hung out there for a little bit, and I finally got to my ship July 16th, 2019, and I stayed on that ship, uh, the USS Abraham Lincoln, which is an aircraft carrier, until I got out in November of last year, November 2022. What was that your decision then to go for that amount of time? Or you had the option of... the way it works is your first tour that you take as an enlisted sailor, you don't really get to choose your orders. You kind of go wherever the Navy tells you to. Right. Um, And your orders could change. Like, I I had orders to a few different places before they finalized my orders to the Abraham Lincoln. And so your first tour as an IT is four years. So no matter where, if you're on a ship, it's four years. And then after that, it's three-year rotations, alternating ship and shore. That's the ideal. Of course, like there are times where they say, we don't have enough ITs on ships, so you're going to take a double tour on ships. Then you'll end up doing six years at sea. So you yeah. you do, but you don't know 100% when you sign up. Yeah. Of course, you're not going to know where, per se, you're going to be going, but for the length of time is where I was headed with that. Yes. Yeah, for the most part, we kind of know the length of time, but like I said, there are those extenuating circumstances that may they may say, no, you're, you're going to do six years on a ship and you're going to stay here. <laughs> um, mm. But yes, because my contract ended before my sea tour, I never actually transitioned to a shore command. Which is where you would have normally transitioned to or whatever the natural progression is in this? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would have gone to a shore command, most likely. So you had maybe just then the one title or? Yeah, so I was only a radio man. I got out, I was an E5. So my title was IT2 because the way that we structure our ranks and stuff is we want to know what the person is and what rank they are just by looking at their name or their title. So somebody could look at my rank and say, okay, she's an IT and she's a second class petty officer, so she's an E5. And usually that tells them, oh, she's a subject matter expert for radio or IT work. So perfect. We're going to go to her. (laughs) It just like kind of makes things go a little bit faster and you kind of know what somebody's standing is right out the gate. And if you can, tell me a little bit about what you actually did in, in terms of radioman, what those jobs entailed somewhat. You don't have to go into big depth. Yeah. I handled all of the circuits for a bunch of different circuits, whether they were data or voice. I did VHF, UHF line of sight, UHF satellite communications, SHF, HF, I know, like, for some people who have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm speaking a totally different language. Yeah, I'm kind of there. <laughs> yeah, so we basically did data, voice, and internet as well, based off of satellite, and that was our, our main job. And then we also did message traffic, so anything that came on board the ship or went off the ship, we handled from the top secret level and below. So it's a little more than monitoring or listening to and or sending out signals yeah. or communications. So we, we would just set up the circuit. There were times I did have to monitor 
But for the most part, we kind of set it up. And then if something broke, we were the people to troubleshoot. Before we move on, just any highlights if you want to go in terms of uh, really cool stuff you're not going to forget, meaning really exciting or maybe not so fun or worst part of the job, (laughs) if you want. I honestly loved every place that we visited. So in total, I went to Oman, Bahrain, Japan, the Philippines, Guam. I've been to Hawaii a bunch of times. Mm. And I I honestly just enjoyed every single place I went to. There's always something I miss about those places, and it's usually the food. Uh (laughs) There's usually one, one sort of restaurant or dish that I had over there that I truly miss. I think the worst part about the job, and I I didn't really realize this until I transitioned out and became a civilian again, was I had been out to sea more than I had been on land. Yeah. And I was also out during COVID. So actually, when COVID hit, we were in port trying to fix up the ship, and there was nowhere to go. So reassimilating back to society was really difficult. I don't think people realize when sailors go out to sea, it's like they're going to quarantine. You know, we are cut off from the rest of the world. There's no cell towers. There's no Wi-Fi. We communicate with our family, sometimes off of Facebook if we have enough bandwidth, but most times it's over email, which is something my friends had to get used to. They're, they're used to texting me, but now they have to email me. So it's, it's a very different lifestyle, very isolating, but at the same time, I made some friends who I will have for life. I mean, like, I could call these people up, and they would be there for me within a few hours, basically. Yeah. And I'm the same way with them. You know, I would drop everything if it meant helping them out. It's a trade-off, but it's also an experience I would not redo or undo in any sense. I'm so happy that I got the experience and I got the opportunity, and I wouldn't change anything about it. And it sounds like you may have even picked up or become somewhat bilingual. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are a few times that I... I made it a point to learn how to say hello or or greeting in every country I was in. Mm. I think it was really important that I immersed myself. Americans do not have a good reputation overseas. (laughs) So trying not to be that quote-unquote stupid American that totally ignored all of their etiquette and all their social norms, especially in places like Japan, where that is how you're judged is based off of how you act in public. Sure. I made sure that, like, I I wasn't trying to draw too much attention to myself, and I was making an active effort to learn as much as possible from the locals and just learn about their culture. Because I think, I feel like if everybody at some point went to a different country that they never thought they would go to, I never thought I would go to the Middle East. But being there and learning their culture and learning about their lifestyle and how different it was from mine it made me appreciate everything I had back here in America. You know, even though we go through hard times as a country, and I think we're seeing a lot of that now, I still feel so grateful to be in this country and have the things that I do. And like you said, it's great that you got the experience these number of years. And at a young age, if I can ask, what age was it that you got enrolled in? And also, what made you decide to do that? I was 19 when I enlisted in the Navy. It was something that I always wanted to do. Even as a kid, I I told my dad, all of my family on my dad's side, we have 13 generations going back to the Revolutionary War. Wow. My aunt actually traced this back. We're part of a club called the Sons and Daughters of America, which means at least every person from our generation 
in our family lineage has served in some capacity. We serve in every war, and that's something that I'm very prideful of. My dad was an Army officer in the Reserve. My uncle was a Marine, and I was raised around them, and I saw the pride they had in their service. My dad has all his awards hung up in his house, and it was just something that I, I felt I needed to do. So when I got out of high school and I was kind of tossing around, well, do I go to college? Do I go to community college? And I kind of sat and with myself and I said, I am not ready for any of that. Mm. I had no discipline. Like I said, I did not study in school. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew it would just be kind of a waste of money. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up quite yet. So I said, well, uh, I guess I'm going to go enlist. And it so happened my friend was enlisting at the time. So I went with him and uh, we did it together. Well, first of all, very commendable for continuing the lineage of the family and doing what you did. And in a sense, I guess it's a no-brainer since you were growing up all around it. That made me think, you mentioned going to Chicago to start off going in and so on. Does that mean that growing up with this around you, you were moving from place to place, other places you've lived at? Oh, no, no, no. My dad got out before I was born, so we didn't move around place to place. Mm -hmm. uh, he was also a reservist, so he stayed in New Jersey during his whole time in service. My uncle, I think he deployed, but he was already out of the Marines by the time that I could kind of tell what service was and what being in the military was. So, All right, so we got you starting in New Jersey. You went to Chicago yeah. to sign up and so on. You traveled the, well, the Middle East and the rest that you said, and now we find you whereabouts and, of course, coming back to the Garden State Comic Fest. Yes. I am in San Diego now. This is where my ship was homeported. And I stayed here just because I had been in New Jersey my entire life for, you know, 19 years. Mm. There's always a piece of New Jersey that I miss. But at the same time, I, I wanted to experience more people. Like I had said, I, traveling the world, I met so many different people and being in the military, so many different people. That's kind of where I'm at now. And there's a bunch of IT jobs out here. So <laughs> also staying out here, I, I do have quite a bit of job security. My family still lives in New Jersey, so hence why I'm going to go visit. That's great. And you told me before we started recording that you went straight from being out of service to right into a job, and that's sometimes the way things happen, but that's yeah. good. That keeps you moving, that keeps you motivated and busy, and I'm going to try and resist the question of saying, oh, New Jersey, what exit? But more specifically, <laughs> what uh, if you want to say what town, what county are we talking about in New Jersey? Yeah, so I grew up in Hillsborough, New Jersey, right off of Route 206 in the same house for my entire life. <laughs> I know somebody's going to search it up and be like, I know your bank questions now <laughs> or your security questions. But yeah, I grew up in that town my entire life and I always wanted something more. I always wanted to travel. We did travel a little bit as a family, but not really anywhere too far. I think the first country I went to was Canada, Niagara Falls. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of sitting there. I was like, man, I can see the U.S. It's literally a 10 minute drive away. I want to go further, you know? So that was also one of my main main motivations to join the Navy was the fact that I could travel to all these places. That's great. I'm going to move it now, transition into the cosplay stuff, because it sounds like mm -hmm. what you were telling me about 15 was when you started going to shows and maybe discovered cosplay. How did that, again, come about? So I started sewing when I was eight, just learned during Girl Scouts. That kind of sparked it. I had a really, really horrible machine. <laughs> like one of those kids' machines that was like 50 bucks at Learning Express. And I made all sorts of things off of that. I started getting into anime. I want to say I was like 10 or 11. And I was trying to look for a Sailor Moon cosplay. Sailor Moon costume, rather, at Party City, just 
for Halloween and I noticed they didn't have any. So I went onto YouTube because I had found a whole bunch of sewing tutorials on there. And I looked up Sailor Moon costume tutorial and came across the word cosplay. And I was like, well, what's this word? Then I searched up on Google and all these pictures of people in costumes of like characters I had seen had popped up and people had made these costumes. And then I learned about conventions and I was like, wow, this is really amazing. And so I was constantly on forums trying to learn as much as possible, making things. My parents were super supportive. They were kind of like, well, okay, we'll take you to Joanne's Fabric because at least you're not doing drugs. <laughs> so I would drag them over to the fabric store, pick up a bunch of fabric and just start making things. I dragged my, my dad to the first convention. This was CloverCon which is a 4-H convention in Bridgewater, and it's an anime convention. It's a very, very small one. And that's where it really sparked everything. I met all these people who were super nice, super supportive, albeit they were all, like, way older than I was. Um, again, 13, 14 at the time. And I saw these amazing costumes and cosplay competitions and all these vendors, and I just immediately knew this is the place for me. I love this place. After that, I just... I continued to find them online and go to them, and my dad would come along with me. And while he didn't quite understand exactly, you know, why I loved it so much, he was always there, always supportive, always taking me to events. It became kind of a bonding experience for both my dad and, and we would take my brother as well, who's super into video games, comics, everything. So it started on the anime angle, Twist, uh, Sailor Moon, and then took off from there. Because when we met in 2019, you were the Black Cat, Felicia Hardy, from yeah. Mar Marvel Comics. So how did the comic book aspect come into it? And, of course, why that character and, and who you gravitate to as far as those characters, other characters that you cosplayed? I am absolutely a super nerd. I go through phases, though, where I'll be, like, super into anime or super into comics, super into video games. You know, I, it's just an amalgamation of things. I definitely tend to gravitate towards characters who maybe more of, like, the anti-heroes. They mean well, but they don't always have the best way of going about it. They usually have some sort of trauma that they're trying to work through and trying to kind of compartmentalize and find their own. And I think those are, those are the ones that I gravitate towards. So like Felicia, the Black Cat, or Deadpool. I did Lady Deadpool at New York City Comic Con. Those are like my biggest fandoms. Harley Quinn, same thing. I relate to those characters a lot through some of my life experiences. And while I'm not going around burning down Gotham City, <laughs> I definitely understand where they come from as far as maybe the anger they hold or some of the ideals that they have. I got out of the military because of something that happened to me during my service. I was diagnosed with PTSD. And cosplay in general has always been there for me. And those characters have always been there for me. No matter what I went through, that's something that will remain with me for the rest of my life. It's a great fallback. A lot of people simply classify cosplay as an escape or as somebody that you wouldn't normally be, which is yes. great, too. And it's great to be doing what you enjoy and love. With respect to these characters, like you said, Lady Deadpool, Harley Quinn, and, of course, Black Hat, are these characters that you put some creativity of your own into it? Did you go out and buy, modify, make the costumes? So before the Navy, I made a lot of my costumes. So a lot of the costumes that are on my page that are circa 2018 and before, they were all made. 
I used to do a lot of thrifting, so I would flip stuff, try to take materials that people had no use for and make something out of them, like egg cartons. I was constantly making like little gems and things out of egg cartons, which drove my mom crazy because she was like, why are you hoarding all this junk? But during the Navy, I, I didn't have a lot of time. I still wanted to cosplay. During my schooling in Pensacola, I went down to Pensacon, which is like a huge convention. And I bought costumes and I would fix them up in my barracks room. So a lot of the costumes that I would get, they were like either people's already worn costumes that I would wash and then refurbish, adding new buttons to it, tacking stuff down better, painting and weathering things. I really enjoyed that aspect of flipping something and making it into something new. Now, a lot of the costumes that I make just because of lack of time I have are things that I have found in a thrift store or like on eBay, and I'm now turning it into something brand new. Very nice. Now, does that tie along with, in some respect, to any comic books you may have grown up reading and or favorite characters there? Let's see. Black Cat was actually a Ruby's costume that I fixed up. I added pieces to, like, the nails on the glove. I added a corset to it, a better wig than what it came with. That was a character that I grew up reading or, or watching or even playing the Spider-Man games as well. She showed up. You know what I have to say, uh, too, on that Black Cat, the, those nails are serious. They look like they're metal. They're rings attached to each <laughs> top yes. of your fingers. Holy cow. Yeah, they were, they were metal rings that I found off of Amazon for, like, I want to say they were, like, 10 bucks or something like that. And I just kind of put them on over the gloves, and so that's how those came about. <laughs> hey, whatever works, and it conveys the uh, image of, oh, yeah, you're a black hat. Yeah. And in my yeah. case, can I take your picture? <laughs> I always enjoy buying costumes off of people who maybe they just need a second home. And then, like I said, flipping them, adding more accessories, adding more of an artistic twist to them. I used to be a big stickler for cinematic accuracy, like Harley Quinn. That one, the Suicide Squad, she is probably the most cinematically accurate costume that I have. But I, I was like, I really like adding my own artistic flair to it, adding different elements to it. Like, I'll, I'll give you actually a preview. One of my costumes for Garden State coming up is going to be Mara, the DC bombshell version. Because I, I love the pinup style outfit going on, which I think is super cute. But I found shoes that the heels are like little palm trees. So it's not necessarily accurate to the art, but I think it's adorable, and I'm going to add it to my costume. I always encourage people to take that cinematic. You can have the cinematic accuracy, but also put a little bit of your artistic twist on it. Make that costume your own, because then people start recognizing you and that costume, and they associate you with the costume. Well, I honestly can't say I've seen a Mirror DC Bombshells version, but that to me strikes a pinup. Yes. <laughs> and that's great. That's a whole different uh, dimension of it, I think, in terms of the of the whole cosplay thing. You know, you feel comfortable doing it. You go out there and you do it and you own it, essentially, especially when yes. you do little modifications. People still know who you are. I've worked with another cosplayer who you reminded me of that did a uh, Captain America pinup. I don't know if that's something that you, having served, had considered been like, oh, yeah, maybe or maybe not. <laughs> I did do Captain America, actually, the New York City Comic Con right before I shipped off to boot camp. And it was a just a Captain America suit that somebody was selling. I didn't do a pinup or anything like that. I just wanted the suit so badly. <laughs> suit up. Yep. So I, uh, I got the suit, and then I didn't even have the shield 
or the shields at that point, because I did the uh, Civil War version where he has uh, Black Panther's shield or the Wakandan shield. And I actually found it on the con floor. And I was like, oh, these are perfect. <laughs> so I had the shields and I was ready to go. And people loved it. Like, I was so surprised. I do get little comments here and there, like on my Deadpool costume. People didn't know that Lady Deadpool is a canon character in the Marvel multiverse. And so I kept getting comments on my TikTok page and they were like, oh, why are you gender bending a male character? Here go women gender bending male characters. And I, I took a step back and I, I made a response to it. Like, first off, anybody can cosplay. Anybody can do whatever character they want to do, no matter their gender, their sexuality, their size, their race, their shape. It doesn't matter. Cosplay is for everyone. And second, She's a canon character, so let's back up a little bit. Hundred <laughs> percent, because um, I've seen a Lady Deadpool or two, and this is about this time, twenty nineteen thereabouts. And yeah, then you've got what came along later was what Gwenpool and and the rest. Exactly. Yeah, that was the other con. Well, why don't you do Gwenpool and blah, blah, blah? Well, maybe I don't want to do Gwenpool. Maybe I want to be Deadpool. Yep. You know, and I, I think within the cosplay community, we all kind of understand that mindset that it's for everyone, but. People looking in, they don't quite understand the community or what we're about or even like the small etiquette rules that we have within. So, you know, they're like, well, I'm going to insert my opinion here. Well, you know what? You know what, Emily? You might just happen to not be a fan of the color pink, and that would be enough reason. <laughs> I, exactly. I, You know, it's, it's possible, whatever. So, all right, we got a preview for Garden State Comic Fest. That's happening June 24th and 25th for the Mira DC yeah. Bombshell version. Any others we could look forward to if it can impose on that? Yeah. So I'm kind of going back and forth between bringing my Lady Deadpool again. The only problem is it's, it's a super hot costume. Like I was cooking and it was October when I wore it. So it's more on the side of no. I also might have Cammy from Street Fighter. The new Street Fighter 6 came out. So that is an option as well. That's kind of what I'm looking at. Okay, so we got it down to three. I would say, yeah. <laughs> just, as, just as a hint under a request, keep Lady Deadpool on the side just in case. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because I'm there with you as far as that goes. The Street Fighter cami, I believe that's with the uh, is it the One Piece green and the ponytails and the hat. and. They actually, in the new Street Fighter, modernized her a little more. Now she's got leggings and kind of like a crop top, crop jacket thing going on. She's got short hair now as opposed to her long pigtails. I was kind of like, hmm. This is kind of a cool design, and, and it's very different from everything, the previous versions we've seen of her in all the other games. It's also more of a comfy costume, so I get that's you. kind of where my mind is going. Sure. Are there any other favorite characters that you would think at some point you want to possibly consider doing? Or? Ooh, that I want to do. Okay. Let's see. I've definitely looked at doing Rogue before. I don't ever know why I didn't do her. I think it was just like time-wise and, and the conventions that I was attending, they weren't necessarily Comic-Con. I would love to redo my Sailor Moon. I guess like a fun fact, I was adopted and I actually met my biological mom and she was super into Sailor Moon. It was so crazy to see the nature versus nurture. She is also a, a huge nerd, whether it's anime, comic, video games. She was an IT in the U.S. Army as well. Wow. So it was just so crazy to see kind of, again, the nature versus nurture. So I would love to redo my Sailor Moon just because, one, it was it was a costume I made when I was a kid, so it's not that great quality. Definitely doesn't fit me anymore. 
and kind of just to pay homage to her and, and the sacrifice that she made. Yeah, that might be something that I do in the future. Now, that character, Sailor Moon, might also incorporate, if I'm not mistaken, because I'm not too anime-educated, would incorporate mm-hmm. the colors for Captain America. So a shield as an accessory and other stuff might be doable? Yes. Yeah. Oh, people have done a Sailor Moon and Captain America crossover before, and they are amazing. I love looking at people's crossovers and, and what they can think of. I haven't seen too much of it in the community recently. I think the community has kind of shifted a little bit with a bunch of new cosplayers who are still trying to get their feet wet because they saw the hobby during the pandemic on social media. And now they're like, oh, yes, I want to try this. So it might be something that I do a crossover of some sort. That's excellent to hear, keeping yourself open to other ideas and doing what you're doing and, above all else, enjoying what you're doing. And now here we are again coming up to the 2023 Garden State Comic Fest. You are going to be a guest. Yes. So a convention that I have loved since I was a kid. It's also a veteran-run convention. The owner is a Navy veteran. They have usually a bunch of veteran organizations over there. I always like to advertise conventions that I know are good people, are good conventions. You know, they're not there to just, like, take your money and run, because I have seen a lot of those recently. Garden State is truly a family. I've made a family there. And, again, it's a very veteran-friendly convention. They do a military discount as well. So if I have to convince any more of my veterans to come out, you know, (laughs) it's such a great place. It's kind of, I'm going to say in a way, full circle, because from going to shows, whether it be Garden State or others, then you've got other experiences at being other shows. Garden State truly is a great show that I've been to numerous times. We've had Dave O'Hare and also Danielle on and Sal when he was also with the show and back at the Men in Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. Yes, very friendly, comfortable, not crazy. It's busy, but yeah. it's in a good way. Busy in a good way, for sure. Everything is kind of spread out, which is awesome. I definitely have issues, a bunch of people and being in close combined spaces. It's very spread out. There's tons of exits and stuff, like if you need to get fresh air or, you know. And again, just a very welcoming group of people. I have never had a bad experience at Garden State. It's just really awesome. Garden State Comic Fest is happening June 24th and 25th. Emily, Unclass Boot Cosplay is going to be there. Looking forward to it very much. Yes, I am so excited to meet everyone. Last thing, if you can think of in your experience as being a cosplayer, uh, some good or bad points and or advice, because you may very well be asked that at your setup, at your table. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. My best advice is no matter what, continue doing it. There's a viral video going around right now saying that the demand on cosplayers is so high just because of the amount of media, the amount of videos and stuff that people take in nowadays. It's, it's very, very fast paced. Don't get overwhelmed by that. Do not get overwhelmed by the demand. Cosplay is supposed to be fun. It's what you make it, and it's yours. I've had people like try to blackmail me into doing different characters. That's just weird. <laughs> Ignore them. Yeah. You know, cosplay truly will always be there for you. And like I said, it's what you make it. If you also don't let your skills kind of hinder you, now that I'm back on shore, I have to relearn a lot of those skills that I had before and also learn new skills. There's always new techniques for making things out there. So constantly learning and constantly opening yourself up and opening yourself up to criticism, constructive criticism is always good. So that's kind of my tip. 
That's great. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and making this cosplay connection. Emily, Unclass Boot Cosplay. Okay, thanks. Where can we find you on social media? I am on Instagram at Unclass Boot and also TikTok at Unclass Boot. On my TikTok, I tend to talk more about veteran issues, but I also have my cosplay because I really want to let people know that veterans, we are people. We have hobbies. We are much more than our uniform, and this is my, my outlet. Yeah, you can follow me on both Instagram and TikTok. Excellent. Looking forward to the Garden State Comic Fest again this year, June 24th, 25th, Menon Arena, Morristown, New Jersey. Thanks again, Emily. Thank you so much.